Congratulations, you made it to the X-Fill. You can relax, unpack your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me, as always, is my co-host Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, and we hope you come along with us on that journey. To the delight of many this evening, we are not going to be talking about whales, we are not going to be talking about penguins. And we're not going to be talking about any other swimming creatures, so don't worry. But we are going to venture into some wipe rumor land uh, briefly, and then we're going to spend the majority of the show on strategy this week, specifically on what to do when you decide to engage a fight. But as always, let's get our hideout keeping out of the way. It's been a while since we did a numbers update, so wanted to give you a quick update. Uh, This is a major jump from the last time we reported on this, but on iTunes, we now have 187 ratings on iTunes, 4.9 star average. Thank you so much for that. Um, A special thank you to those that have taken the time to point out what you like, what you dislike, constructive criticism, all of that. We read every single comment. And I can honestly say that every time someone takes the time to comment on something they believe we can do better, we've made an honest attempt to do better at that in the show. So thank you. We really do appreciate that. Uh, We've also had an overwhelming number of people recently follow us on Spotify. So welcome to everybody that's new on Spotify. Glad to have you. And lastly, uh, just because of how many people are listening on other platforms, we're starting to get data in our aggregator from those as well. So thank you. Um, We really don't care where you watch or listen. Uh, We just appreciate that you do. And especially the ones that have taken the time to rate us, follow us, sign in and give us comments, all that kind of stuff. Thank you so much. So the best way is to support the show on the heels of that. Uh, You heard it. One of them is to go out on all of those platforms and rate us. Uh, But the best one, the most important one is sharing a show with a friend. Uh, If someone's new to the game, thinking about the game, or just struggling with a specific part of Tarkov, you know, let them know about the podcast, let them know about the community. We talk about all kinds of stuff, not just Tarkov. If you were were in Discord the night we were recording, you saw a show. The last way you can help us out is on uh, all of our social channels. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube. YouTube is XP Media Now, so youtube.com forward slash XP Media Now. And for me personally, uh, you can find me on Twitch and Twitter, and I am at the handle at MTB Trigger on all of those. And if you need something, always feel free to reach out to me on Discord as well. But that's it for my part of hideout keeping. Ronald, how are you, man? And let these fine folks know what's going on on your side and how they can get in touch with you. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm doing fantastic. It was a fun pre-show in the Excel Discord. If you haven't come out to hang out with us on Monday nights before we record, I highly suggest you get online around uh, 8 o'clock Central and come hang out in the Exfil Discord. We have a good time. And to that end, I do have to say that uh, Golden Grams, the information with I withheld from the favorite cereal conversation, Golden Grams. Really? 
Golden Grams. <laughs> Love Golden Grams and the generic like version number one. Number one Golden Grams wow. all day, all day. Yep, it's good stuff. Have you had Cinnamon Toast Crunch? I have had Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and I've also had Golden Grams, which is why I know Golden Grams <laughs> are better than Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Do you prefer your Golden Grams cooked over a fire? <laughs> I prefer my Golden Grams caramelized. <laughs> uh, so the best way that you can get a hold of, of me, and if you'd like to share in my complete basking in how much I love Golden Grams, is to find me in Discord. I'm at the top of the list in the Xville Discord right next to MTB. Send me a DM anytime. We're checking those all day long. And talking to people uh, realistically all day, every day, and it's a really good time. You can also email the show if you have a more formal request at xpmedia2020 at gmail.com. We uh, can take things that are not meant for Discord there, so if you have something you want to get to us, that's the place to do it. And lastly, during the week when MTB is streaming on twitch.tv slash mtbtrigger, I'm hanging out in stream, talking with folks, and usually... We're watching Trigger Own at whatever game he's playing, having a good time. So I highly suggest you come check out the stream. It's a good time. And that's about it for hideout keeping. But for this week, we, uh, we've we had some rumors that have been floating around the Xville Discord and also just kind of around the Tarkov community about 12.8. And we did a show a couple of weeks ago about the speculation for 12.8. And if you didn't check that out, that was, I think, two episodes ago. It was a good, you know, good rumor show. We kind of aggregated some of the reports that people have been having and kind of different thoughts people have on it. So it was pretty interesting to discuss that. But now there's a new kind of hot take going around the Tarkov world that there's going to be a wipe with 12.8. I'll start off by saying we don't have any inside information to know either way, but I think it's interesting and worth talking about for a few minutes because if they wiped with 12.8 i mean what do you think about that trigger so we're recording on the last day of august right and most everyone's going to hear this uh probably you know in a couple days and when i think about that like immediately when you told me that there was wipe rumors with 12.8 the first thought that went through my mind was like wait, wait aren't we like halfway through the wipe like it feels like we're halfway so I guess the way I feel about it is if there's going to be a wipe with 12.8, it seems to me like that means 12.8 is further away or should be further away. But like if it's within the next like month, month and a half, like that seems crazy fast, at least from what I've read about the wipe schedule being. So that sort of caught me off guard to be thinking about a wipe already when we're three months in. I agree. I think, man, that that would mean that 12.7 or 12.6, right? Dropped. Um, the last wipe was end of May, last week in May, first week in June, right? So yep. that would mean at this point we're three months in almost exactly. It feels like people haven't had enough time to get to where they usually want to get to in a wipe cycle. It's, I think in Tarkov, you want the wipe cycle to be long enough that you feel like you still have something worth playing for, but short enough to where you don't want to get done with playing the game, right? You know, and I think three months is too short for that period of time, in my personal opinion. But like six months is probably too long. So there's somewhere, there's probably a happy medium in there somewhere. Now, one of the things that they did say about the 12.8, it was going to be on par with the amount of content that was added in 12.7. So the scale of the patch, the scale of the change is going to be 
that much of a upgrade and that much of a change to the game. So I could definitely see maybe they want to test something different because they did add a lot in 12.7. They did. And I know that there's been the conversation around the skill reset or the skill redo, and they did add a lot of content in 12.7. And I also think you said something key there too, that there's probably a really good happy medium between three months being too fast, six months being too long. You know, so if they came out and announced the wipe happening with 12.8, because they haven't said that's happening, right? That's what people are thinking. Yeah, there's been no official disclosure of the wipe schedule. This is rumors that are floating around on Reddit in the Tarkov streaming community. Now, this could be just uh, people generating you know, traction for them, that kind of thing. And I think there's always a wipe rumor every time there's a patch with Tarkov. So in full disclosure, this could be nothing. But I do think it's worth talking about because it could be. You know, we're yeah. right on the we're right on the low end of that time frame. Well and it does seem like the next major patch, if we get a major patch in the next one to three months, it probably does need to be the wipe. You know, the more I think about it, because if we get out and have this major patch, and it's one to three months, when's the next major patch going to be? It's not going to be quick, you know, so it probably does need to be with this. So it really boils down to when is this wipe, or when is 12.8 going to happen, and, and what's going to be in it, right? It probably depends, and why they haven't announced it is probably because they don't know exactly what's going to make it. I guess what I would hope is that if they're going to do the skill reset, if that's going to make it in 12.8, I guess I would really like to see a wipe in that scenario. I'd like to get the new skills and then go do that. Or I'd like to see them say, hey, we're going to do the pre-wipe event from this time to this time. We're going to do the skill reset during that pre-wipe event so people can at least get used to the skills or something and then roll it out in the wipe. What I'd hate to see is the skill reset happen and then we have like months of using new skills or having some kind of soft reset to some of our, our progression there. Yeah, I think that the skill reset is probably the most important thing to do in conjunction with a wipe. I think we learned a valuable lesson as a Tarkov community when they reset strength in the middle of the last wipe. Man, did that mess up a lot of things. Now, for me personally, I was just on the cusp of having the hideout there, and then they reset strength, and I had to level strength all over again. Yep. And it added this whole extra dynamic of frustration to the game, which was completely artificial. It was endurance, right? It was endurance and strength that they reset, if I remember Correct. correctly. Yep. Now, I didn't specifically care that much about endurance, but strength, I really cared about. And because of that, my experience with the skill reset really got me to kind of the point that you were just kind of describing where I really feel like it's super important that skills come with a wipe. I don't I don't know how the game can really feel fun and have a skill reset in the middle of a wipe. I think it just comes down to communication. It, when it just sort of happened really quick, I think that's the issue. If they said, hey, the, what, 30 days from now, we're going to do this. Here's why. <laughs> I think it would have gone over completely different. It was kind of like, oh, by the way, your skills are reset. <laughs> like, what? Um, I There's just a lot to be desired there. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I guess other things that I'm really curious about is just the timing, the timing, the timing, you know, and, and I'm kind of selfish in this because I've sort of made these sort of ridiculous goals for myself to have 
you know, a thick weapons case per caliber that I'm interested in, which is going to boil down to, I think, uh, nine or 10 thick weapons cases. And I'm well on my way. Uh, but I, I, I kind of want to accomplish that. So I just, I hope we get some notice on when this stuff's going to happen because I'd like to get to the point where I complete my sort of mini end game that I've created. But I think what we really wanted to say was we don't know anything. We, uh, we don't know if there's a wipe happening with 12.8. We don't know when 12.8's coming. We'll be ears to the ground and to see what's going on. What it really comes down to is I'm sort of measuring have I completed everything I wanted to complete this wipe? And as far as in-game stuff, like actually in-raid stuff, I think I have. I'm just kind of enjoying playing now. I played a lot of Interchange, both on SCAV and PMC this last week. I was out of town for a couple days, so I didn't get to play as much as normal. But I've been scaving and raiding on Interchange, and I've just been enjoying it. And so I, I think I'm good on in raid progression like i'm still enjoying running good loot but i guess i am curious you know do you think that people you kind of alluded to you think that not everyone is probably where they want to get progression wise yet do you think there's a pretty good chunk of people that haven't met their goals yet i think that's possible it's hard to tell because goals in tarkov are so nebulous and very personalized because there really is no endgame system that's official. The yeah. endgame in Tarkov is kind of whatever you turn it into be for yourself. So if you wanted a Kappa and you're not a streamer or one of those people who are you know in that boat where you have lots of time to play, my guess is if you're just an average player, you probably haven't reached Kappa yet or you know you're getting close. And even then, I don't know if... Yeah, I guess I, I guess I really am not sure. That's a hard question to answer because because when you ask someone what are you getting out of Tarkov or what's your goal of Tarkov, if you ask ten people, you get ten different answers. And so whenever the point at which the Tarkov wipe experience reaches a satisfaction point, where you're like, okay, I'm ready to wipe again and have that early game kind of fun. I think everybody eventually gets there, but I'm not sure if they get there at the same time. Yeah, and. I was going to kind of think about the Kappa as being this sort of, it's not even a universal goal, but there's a lot of people that look at Kappa as I want to get to level 40 and I want to go after Kappa. And I was just thinking about it to say, even the people that aren't, you know, full-time streaming, that kind of thing, if your goal was to get to Kappa, you know, because like we've talked about it, like both of us, this wipe, not super interested in completing that. You know, if we get there, we get there. Um, but I look at it and say, if I was really focused on getting the cap and container this wipe, I probably would have had it quite a while ago, but I just stopped focused. I just stopped focusing on tasks and I've just been exploring the maps a lot more, especially the new areas that they've released. And that's been really fun to me. But I do think that at this point, I probably would have got the Kappa even with, you know, the, the less hours played. I don't know. It's, it's super interesting. So I don't know. I think if they came out and announced it right now, I I don't know. I'm not sure if I guess I don't have a good pulse on that. I'm not sure if people would be upset or they'd be stoked for 12.8. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I guess we could only ask our own community. This would be a good question for this episode. Are you excited if there's a wipe with 12.8? If let's say 12.8 is within a month, or do you think it's too early? It's great to give feedback on the show in the in Discord in the show feedback section, or if you're listening to this on YouTube, leave a comment. Let us know what you think. 
I mean, yeah, or like, what do you think the uh, perfect wipe cycle is? What, yeah. How many months? You know, yeah. while this game is in this cycle, what is the, what's the perfect wipe cycle? Yeah, because I, I I think there are players who have played now for years who have gone through many wipe cycles that probably have a better idea than we do of what the average gamer thinks. I think Tarkov has grown so much though in the last six to eight months that I'm not sure if a lot of that is even the same, honestly, but I kind of feel like it has to be longer than three months and less than six. (laughs) I'll go back to my original statement. So if it happened in like two weeks, would you feel okay with that? That's an interesting question. Even though I don't feel like I have a specific goal for the wipe, I would be frustrated that I'd have to start over to get to where I am right now. Like yeah. It wouldn't feel satisfying where I am right now, having to just push back to that point. It's kind of weird and that might not make sense, but that's the way it would feel. I think everyone kind of feels that way to some extent, right? You want to hit your goals and then I think to a lot of people, I think a lot of play styles, having fun in this game is once you meet your goals and then you go go mess around and hide to your loot, <laughs> right? Or the Or the best loot you can do for a while, right? That's kind of fun. For me, I think... I look at like the four to four and a half months as being like a really solid window if this game is going to stay seasonal. Because um, that right now, like I'm I'm really close to the goals I set out for. Like I think I'm probably a week and a half of routine hideout farming of having all of my goals met as far as cases go, because that's my goal. So I think another month, month and a half of just being able to do whatever I want in the game with whatever gear, it, it sounds like a really good time to me. I also think having some downtime and and I've taken some time. I've been playing some other games and checking new stuff out as well. So I don't know. I, I, I'm really curious to see where this goes. I'm excited for 12.8. There's a lot coming in 12.8 that I'm excited for. So like there's part of me that's like, yeah, I'd hate to lose all the progression right now. But if we get some kind of notice, and for me, it's probably like a month away. If it was, you know, four months in, four and a half months, I'm really, really good with that. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, I, I'd land probably about at the same spot. I'd be fine with that as well, especially given the new content. You know, there's a lot of new things that are coming, so I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, same. But um, I, I mean, we could talk back and forth on what we think. We just kind of wanted to put out there what we know. And in between now and the release of this, it could change. Who knows? But uh, we don't know about 12.8 when it's coming. We don't know if there's a wipe coming with it. Uh, but for those of you that aren't reading Reddit all the time, we wanted to at least talk about it and our thoughts on it. Uh, but we did want to spend the majority of this episode on a excellent question that was posed in Discord to us related to strategy. And the kind of summary of the question was how to handle yourself in a fight. And this is one where you don't get one tapped or you one tap them, but you each take a shot or two at each other and then you get to reset the fight. So when I was thinking about this, I wanted to boil it down a little bit where you're faced with an enemy and we're going to talk about like a 1v1 situation. You now know where they are and they know where you are. Maybe you saw what kind of gear they have. You know what gear you have on. And where we're going to break this down is that you've chosen to re-engage. And we're going to kind of start the conversation there in that we got into a little bit of a skirmish. Both parties survived. Both parties know they've survived. And you've chosen to go back into it. And so the question that I believe this individual was asking in Discord was, how do you go about that battle? Once you're fighting somebody, what do you do? So I guess 
I guess I you do you want to kick this one off or do you want me to start on this one? Go ahead and start. Okay. So for me, I'll jump into this one because this is kind of one of my favorite sort of topics in any FPS game. And I always struggle with exactly how to talk about this concept of choke points. And a lot of my first person shooter experience, you know, 20 plus years of it on PC, uh, when I boil down to how I analyze a game or get good at it, I break it down into little choke points. And not just the major choke points like, you know, we're at plant point A and plant point B, and there's a major choke point in the middle. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, I look at a PvP scenario, no matter what the game is, FPS, Fall Guys, you know, a strategy game, whatever, as a series of choke points. And so for me, if I get in this situation where I've decided to engage another person, my first sort of mindset is to reset the fight. And what I mean by that is there's sort of a natural break in the action when you've both taken a couple shots and you're kind of sitting there like, oh, am I going to go in? Am I not going to go in? And so I like to reset the fight. And one of the best tools that I find for resetting fights are utility, whether it's a flash grenade or an explosive grenade. Throwing a grenade is often the best way to buy yourself two to five seconds to breathe, to think, and make a decision. Now, after I reset the fight, for me personally, (laughs) the old me when I was first starting Tarkov, I would rush in. I would run in and try to make the enemy make a mistake. Recently, though, I'll throw that grenade and then I'll kind of be still and listen. And the reason I brought up this concept of choke points is that when I reset a fight and I choose to engage, the way that I analyze these things is I look at where I'm at and I find the choke points. And what I mean is every choke point, the grenade choke point, like can they throw a grenade that's easily going to get me where I'm at if I move here, if I move there? Are they going to have better visuals, more places to hide? Can I get an advantage by controlling a choke point? So an example of this would be a fight that I had on Interchange recently. So imagine that you're just outside of Ollie and there's that tech store, Teco, right there. Well, I was coming down from the middle of the mall and this other person was in the furniture store. And as soon as I turned the corner... I was looking down, I was scoped in looking through the tech store and I saw this guy standing there in the furniture store kind of far away and I shot a shot, he shot a shot, I think we both hit each other once, he hit me in the thorax, Uh, I didn't black it out, had to heal and I decided to reset the fight. In this case I didn't need a grenade but I looked at that area and to engage this fight it was going to be in that escalator and techo situation. Now I was in an open section of the mall, completely exposed, back the other direction, and he was in the furniture store. And in between us was this tech store. And if you're familiar with Teco, I analyzed it and said that's going to be the major choke point in this scenario because whoever controls Teco is going to be able to see all of the different directions, but you also have like six rows of shelving that you can peek in and out of and change up your angle. So what I did is I moved into the first row of Teco, knowing that he'd probably see me cross, and then I just waited and I listened. And then it was kind of like, okay, who's going to make the mistake first? And he sort of shuffled around and we sort of traded peaks back and forth. And what ultimately ended up happening was I heard him sort of settle in to the furniture store closest to Rasmussen, which is towards the middle of the mall. 
And so I ended up being able to leave out the back of Teco, go around the escalator and find where he was looking into Teco. And I intentionally made some shuffling noises before creeping out. The reason I bring this one up is you have a lot of options. You have a lot of decisions. And I think one of the most intriguing things about Tarkov is that you really have a choice to take the choke, get into it, or control it from a distance. And it all depends on the situation, you know? So I don't want to go further into this without giving Ronald you a chance to chat about it, you know? But like if you were posed with that same scenario where, you know, you found yourself on one side of that tech store and the other person was in furniture, would you do it the same way? Or do you have kind of a different methodology you would take given that scenario? I think I would approach it very similarly. When I'm in this situation where so just so I'm understanding this correctly, there's people kind of on both sides of you. Um, I, I guess, no, there's the, the person I knew about was in front of me in the furniture store. But where I was, was in that open hallway where you could kind of see the front entrance to the mall, you know, so like that big open hallway. So I was conscious of that, that I didn't want to be fighting the enemy from there because somebody could have eventually come up that way because it's wide open. So that's why I chose to get out of that area. Well, I think you got to look at, do you want to engage somebody in that scenario? Because you have to make a decision. I would say you have the weaker position if you're out in the hallway and they're in any kind of store with cover. You know, basically they're waiting for you to come to them. And if you make noise and they're in a store and interchange, so this is just interchange specifically, they're going to wait. They're just going to sit there and wait and hope that you're impatient enough to come, come to them and try to charge them or whatever. If you're lucky enough to know where they are in the store, which is a pretty hard guess, I would say, depending upon which store it is, that's when your other tools can come into play. Grenade launcher, you know, thrown grenade, something like that. I think if I was in that situation, I, I would probably wait for a little bit of time out in the hallway, but I'm not sure that it's super productive, at least from for my play style. I'm not sure that I would be able to charge in and win necessarily without knowing a little bit more information. So I may actually retreat and go around, change the parameters of the situation up that are more favorable where going on the offensive for me, but that's just the way that I play. Or I may just decide that, hey, it's this, this one's not worth my time. I know that if I do a little bit to scare this person, they're going to stay in that store and I can maybe take advantage of getting some stuff from around them and then just plan on exiting a different way and use kind of the fear of engagement without knowing everything that's going on around them against them. And that way you can sometimes win a battle without firing a shot. It's just about what you make the other person think you're going to do. In Tarkov especially, it's a psychological game in a lot of ways. So using sound as kind of your unequipped third weapon, like we've talked about in many podcasts, you may be able to do something like that. I guess that's what comes to mind initially. Yeah, I, I like that. You know, I think one of the best options in an engagement scenario when you're choosing to fight a guy or choosing to get rid of him, like you said, is to change up the angle or flank or decide what the best way to approach him is. And Truth be told, when I first started playing this game, I would run at people and I would win half my fights, you know, just on FPS skill. But half wasn't enough for me. <laughs> I didn't like dying half the time in this game because was how much stuff you risk. And so I, I actually employ that strategy a lot, you know, of 
I'm, I'm going to try to flank this guy or I know where they're at. I'm going to see if I can't, you know, fake them out a little bit. But I think what you talked to was sort of a like progression checklist of a way of thinking about the fight, you know, and I think we all kind of do this, whether we intentionally think about it or not. But you were like, okay, well, do they have the advantageous position or do I? Can I charge them? Should I not? Uh, is there a potential for somebody else to come down the hallway or not? You know, and then there's there's a whole other set of checklists that I kind of go through really quickly in my mind. Like if I get shot and I hit them, as soon as I'm in cover, one of the first things I'm going to do is look at my health. Right? I'm going to look at my, okay, is my thorax still okay? Is my head still okay? Am I wearing a class five armor? Okay, great. So let's just top those off before I get back in a fight, you know? So that's one of the first thing that goes through my mind. Do I need painkillers? Uh, should I take a propotol to heal my limbs up? You know, there's that checklist of healing that you've got to go through. Well, do I need to serve kit? Okay, well, if they blacked out my leg, is it better for me to take a painkiller? Or do I need to move around first and engage this person? And that's the hardest thing about this question. And it's also the thing I love about it is there is so many dynamic things in this game that you almost have to have a checklist that you go through just like instantaneously when making decisions. And it's what can make it so hard. And it's why I think that even if you choose to engage, you always have to have it in the back of your mind asking yourself, what's my backup plan? What if I make a move and they were expecting it and they shoot me and almost kill me again? You know, can you leave safely? Like, Eric, how many times have you gone in a battle and you think you're ahead, you think you know where they're at, you're shooting them, they shoot back at you, and then all of a sudden they get you from an angle you didn't expect? And do you leave then? Do you, I mean, I've done that. I've absolutely bolted out of there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You can be surprised sometimes where you're absolutely sure they're over there, right? And over there is whatever direction. Just picking your mind a place and you're like, wait a minute. And all of a sudden you get shot from a position where you thought you were safe. And when that happens, I guess you have two options. Sometimes you're in your mind, the safe place to retreat is back to where you're getting shooting from or being shot from, which is not a great option, right? Because you didn't know they were there. So if you retreat into that area, you don't know where they are. So that sometimes could be more dangerous than just running straight forward into the place that you thought was dangerous. Mm -hmm. And one of the interesting things that can happen too, that I have actually had the situation where I had somebody really pushing me from behind, but I knew that there was people up ahead and I just played cat and mouse until I got those two people engaging each other and force them to fight each other. And I just waited, right? I waited until they beat up on each other. One killed the other one, but was hurt and came. And I just swooped out from where I was and finished them off and looted everybody. So sometimes the best option is to keep baiting people into a place where they'll create a fight that someone else will take care of your own problem. Right. And when you do that, you know, it, it, it can be beneficial. But Tarkov is a game of patience. And the thing with engaging is for me, I've had the best luck when I have enough patience to engage on my own terms. I'm not good enough to just run around like a stuck W key in Tarkov and just kill everybody. I have to really pick my battles and pick my angles very intentionally. And so I've had the most success when I'm patient. Yeah, I think playing to your own skill set is critical in Tarkov. And it's why, you know, if you spend any time in the 
Xville Discord or you hear us talk about all play styles are valid in this game is because I'm good at some things that maybe you're not. Maybe you're good at things that I'm not. And playing to your strengths is key in this game. You know, and I think one of the hard parts here and one of the things I want to talk about are some of the mistakes that I've made when engaging people. Because a lot of times in Tarkov, everything I've learned about how to approach a fight is from myself doing it wrong. (laughs) You know, like that scenario on Interchange that I painted, I've probably been in that scenario four or five times. And the first two or three, I I can tell you, I butchered. I completely did it wrong. And, And it's little things, right? And I can tell you the things that I've done wrong are, I knew exactly where the enemy was. I had a great position on them. If they move, they're dead. But I didn't quite cover my back enough and I got shot from down a hallway, right? That's happened to me on Interchange a bunch. Another thing that you'll hear a lot in the FPS world is a concept of re-peaking. You know, you'll you'll read a lot or people will say a lot, don't re-peak the same angle. And what that's referring to is if you see somebody and let's use the, the concept of leaning. Like you lean left around a structure, like a bookshelf, and you see a guy and you shoot and then he moves. The concept of not repeaking would be you either need to get out of that spot or don't go back at that same exact angle. And the reason for that is most people, when you're engaged in a PvP fight, are going to remember the last known location of your enemy. And it's the first place you're going to check. Right, Maybe you're going to check the first place that you would anticipate movement to, but then you're going to go back and check where they just were. So if you're still there, re-peaking or peaking the same angle, they can get their sights on you, they can be ready to take you out and, and put their cursor right where it needs to be so that they can strafe out, take a quick shot, and you'd never even see them. So I, I've made that mistake countless times where you know I either didn't think that they saw me or I was holding an angle too long. And they move a little bit and change up their angle, but I'm on the same one. So they have a much easier time finding me and shooting me. So those are the two mistakes I've made dozens and dozens of times where even changing your angle up slightly, meaning if you have to take the same angle, do it by crouching. Or maybe you need to prone so that you know, you're changing the verticality of your character. But those are the mistakes that I've gotten myself in so much trouble where once a gun fight rings out, other people naturally come towards that. So you can't just indefinitely have a standoff if you're not covering your back, especially in a solo situation. So I don't know. What about you, man? Are there any mistakes that you've learned a lot from? (laughs) You know, in all honesty, we talk about these somewhat complicated and cool things that you know we've done where we've lured people into this that and the other thing but the truth is that we all know that tarkov is mostly moments of sheer surprise where you don't really see it coming and then upon reflection on it if you're really honest with yourself you're like i was doing something where i probably was being a little careless or you're just like wow that is just totally out of nowhere and most of my pmc deaths are related to how comfortable I am on a map. So, and this goes both ways. So if I'm super comfortable on a map, say like I'm on shoreline, for example, I may get a little careless, in which case I put myself in a situation where someone heard me because I was a little too loud or 
I just didn't check where I know I should have checked because I thought I figured I had the feeling it'll be fine and it wasn't fine or someone snipes you as you try to work your way around the power station. <laughs> you know, things like that or the gas station. And then it goes the other way too. I'm not as familiar with reserve. It's probably my least played map. I don't really enjoy it that much. On that map, I play so paranoid that I make mistakes because I'm not, you know, playing relaxed enough. Mm. It's kind of like in Star Wars, right? Where Han Solo and Chewie are flying on the captured uh, cargo ship towards the forest moon of Endar. And they have to land, right? And they get queried. I'm a big nerd, so just follow me on this one. And he's like... <laughs> I'm just nodding. Yep, yep, yep. He's like... <laughs> He's like, he's like, well, how am I supposed to fly? And Han's like, well, I don't know. Fly casually, you know? And with Tarkov, it's the same kind of thing. And it's maddening to me at times because I make mistakes that in these fights, in my mind, I have this plan, like how this could go. But what it really turns out is I just, it depends on my stress level on the map. So my anxiety level on the map. It's like I can't execute on what I know how to do when I'm playing a map that I'm not as familiar with because I'm already worried about I don't know all the cheeky little angles. And so I've run into this situation where I make stupid mistakes. And it's funny to me that, well, it's interesting to me that the stupid mistake meter for Ronald anyways happens whether I'm comfortable on a map or whether I really am not comfortable. And I think Tarkov is like the ultimate equalizer there, because if you have too much confidence, all the strategy in the world kind of goes out the window when you're playing around confident. And on reserve, I just get clapped because I just play too conservatively and a scav will sneak up and shoot you and just destroy me. I'm like, I heard you coming. I just was too afraid to peek out of the bush and kill you. And it just, for me, that that's maddening, but that's also part of getting better at the game. So I forgot what your original question was. I was thinking about <laughs> Chewie and you, No, Chewie you and got Han. it. You had to go into your Star Wars nerddom, and it was beautiful. I appreciate that. I know the line, but I don't know about which Endor it was or Moon or whatever. I love it. <laughs> 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 but um, I guess one of the things that I really wanted to talk about, and you kind of, you talked about this whole concept of like comfort and map knowledge and all of that. And what I wanted to talk about was anticipating versus assuming. And I always look at this in FPS as like my favorite equalizer. And you added the knowledge concept into it, which is perfect for Tarkov because it's critical. Before, in my opinion, you can anticipate or assume what another player is going to do. You have to have knowledge in the game. Now, like if you shoot someone when they're peeking to the right, it doesn't matter what game you're in. They're usually going to go the other way. They may come back. But my point is, if you're not familiar with the spot that we were talking about in Interchange, you may not correctly identify the choke points or where you may have threats or where you may be safe from if you don't know the area. So the truth is in this game is that the more you get to know about the maps, the more knowledge you get, and then you get into the scenario where you know the maps so you can start anticipating and assuming movement. Now, the reason I talk about anticipation and assuming, they're very close and similar, but as soon as you get to the point where you're assuming that something you did or something the enemy did is going to result in them doing the next thing, and you start telling yourself, well, they did that, so they have to be here. Well, that can work sometimes 90, 99% of the time, but the reason that 
the anticipation versus the assumption is my favorite equalizer is when a new person comes in, whether it's a new player or a new person of the scenario or someone who's exceptionally skilled and knows your position as well as you do, they may do something so opposite and out of convention that it throws you off and they can win the fight. And that's why you don't want to assume what they're going to do, but anticipating it based on your map knowledge is critical. You know, because if you're in a situation where you find yourself in an unknown part of a map, you're going to have a hard time anticipating the movement of the enemy, where they're coming from, where they're going, how they might react to you. And that's why you can't be scared of that. And it's when we talk about gear fear and all of that, it all plays into this concept. And if I could go back and shake my early Tarkov self and say, if you don't know the area, you can't anticipate what other players are going to do in that area. So you just have to go. You just have to get in there and learn the area. And what that means in Tarkov, kind of to Ronald's point, is you're gonna die. But you have to get to that point in these areas of the map where you're not flying stressed out, you're flying casually, meaning you're moving through the area, you kind of know where everything's at, and then you can take these outside inputs from other players and scavs and all of that and you react to them or you make them react, but it's no longer this like high anxiety thing. And that's really challenging though. It's super simple to say. It's not easy to execute on that. These maps are large. There's different spawn points. There's very little UI. Players are unpredictable. It all goes into these fights. And it's why I loved this question because in just a granular 1v1 situation, I can give you all these pointers and tips, but in Tarkov, Every encounter is different. You may have some really similar encounters, but you can't get to the point of assuming you know how they're going to go because they usually don't end up the same way. Yeah, there's an element of randomness to Tarkov that really kind of makes the best laid plans fall apart as soon as you really get into the middle of a fight, and which is similar to most FPS games. But with Tarkov, making a mistake is very punishing. You know, it, it could go from you, I have the upper hand, to you get headshot because you just peeked around the wrong corner really quick. And because of the element of randomness that comes into every fight and how you always have the chance of being headshot in any situation, it doesn't really matter how much you plan or how much you, you think you're going to control the fight. The reality with Tarkov is that the randomness of, of any of the fight dynamics that develop, all you can do is react to what happens. And it's hard to make a plan to go in to react to something that you don't know what's going to happen yet. And I've found with myself, I'm a very strategic-minded player in most games that I play. That's been one of the hardest things for me to get used to in Tarkov, is how the reaction really throws off any kind of plan you have. As soon as you have a, a route laid out in your mind, like I want to get from here to here to here to here, this is going to be success in my mind for this raid in this map. As soon as something happens to mess up that pre-assigned or pre-kind of planned out route in your mind, yeah. at least in my mind, you get thrown off. I get thrown off. And when that happens, sometimes I play terrible because I'm thrown off. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, I have to get over there. When really, no, I don't have to get over there. I can walk around the truck on that side or something. I can go a totally different way. It's the adaptation in the randomness of the fight where I've had trouble at times 
because I get like tunnel vision is kind of the way I'm trying to describe this stage of it. And so the dynamic and the randomness of what happens in the fights where you can literally go from being the player with the advantage to the player that gets headshot. And it's like, it's all over. Start over again. I mean, I think it's great, but it's also maddening. <laughs> well, it is. And and you brought up something that I just, I, I want to see if I can illustrate my concept of breaking things down into choke points based on something you said. It's this idea of randomness in Tarkov that is so fun and it's so challenging at the same time. One of the things that you'll often see players do in games that have an element, of, an element of RNG or randomness is they will look for ways to reduce the randomness. And one of the ways that we see this in Tarkov is you'll see people do loot runs, right? Shoreline is a great example of this. I know people that know every single spawn on Shoreline and they know which one can get to the resort and the Ledex spawns the fastest. And they also know that if they're at this spawn and they get in, that if the, a person from this spawn is rushing, they'll be there in two or three seconds, right? It's, it's really close gaps sometimes. So as someone who doesn't loot run, it's still beneficial for me to understand that because the choke point of like a Ledex spawn from the various spawns that are close to it exists from the very second the raid starts. Because if people rush up there, there's a choke point right there. And the choke point is getting to those areas or the, how the different spawns interact with each other. It's not that you're necessarily engaging in that choke point, but understanding that a lot of players will try to reduce randomness. And if you're at a spawn point and you know if you run directly to this spot, it takes me 17 seconds, but this other spawn can take 14 seconds and this other one can take 27 well, people will try to reduce that randomness by running to that spot, seeing if that other spawn ran there, and if they didn't, then they're going to go back and look the other direction and see if that other spawn ran there, and if neither spawn came in, they've effectively reduced the randomness in that area because they know there's no other players there. So that's why you see a lot of loot running in this game, at least in my opinion. But understanding those choke points can help you know the flow of the map. But again, if you don't engage those in some form or another, it's going to be really hard to know what those are. And that's like what you were talking about. You have a route you want to run or you have a, a loot run that maybe you're doing a perimeter loot run, a stash run. You kind of have a set idea on where you want to go, but then somebody else can do something random that affects your loot run and you have to be able to react. And that's the key in this whole thing. So it's the reason I love this game. But it, you're right, it can be absolutely maddening at times when when you get interrupted and you have to do something that's so far out of your comfort zone that you just get owned. <laughs> I think the biggest thing and how to answer this question of how to handle yourself in a fight from my perspective is just to not get too far outside of your own your own head and get too focused on accomplishing one particular thing. Because I think during the fights, because of the randomness in Tarkov, at least for me, I know that if I all of a sudden get pushed because of how the fight's going into a, an area where either I'm not familiar with or I didn't plan to go or whatever, you know, you just have to adapt and you got to figure it out. The big thing is to just try to not let the fight 
and the actions that happen during the fight get you so frustrated or so whatever that you get yourself killed because you do something that you know you don't need to do. And I'm still working on that. I know that I'm not really great at that. And sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. But I can tell you that if I try to consciously to stay out of my own head when things get really crazy and just figure out, okay, let's regroup and get going. And of course, we're talking about all of this in, you know, in 10 or 15 minutes on this topic, but this happens in like four seconds. Right, right. (laughs) And you literally need to make these decisions and formulate a whole new plan just in like the blink of an eye, right? And so sometimes you pick right, sometimes you pick wrong. So I don't think there's really a wrong way. I just think that you're going to develop your own style and our styles are different in the way that we react to stressful situations in Tarkov. And we're both successful doing it differently. So I guess I would wrap up my thoughts on this topic by just saying, if you feel like you're not doing something right, don't feel like you have to change everything about the way that you play to match somebody that you think is doing it correctly. Keep playing the way that you play and figure out how to tweak just a few things to get yourself to the point where you're having success. Because Tarkov is not a game of extremes. It's actually a game of right down the middle when it comes to strategy. There really is a wide variety of successful ways to do Tarkov. And so you don't have to change everything about yourself or the way you play to be successful in handling yourself in a fight. So I guess that would be just my one takeaway because not everybody plays Tarkov the same way. And it's very easily to try to adapt to someone else's play style when you really don't need to. Yeah, I agree with that. I think if you want to do that or learn a completely different play style, go for it. But don't get too nuts on it. I I agree with you from a summary standpoint. I think I do want to just kind of wrap my strategy in a fight up by saying in a scenario where I'm kind of trapped which is where I feel the need to fight more often. If you're really looking for like a step of things to do, um, if someone shoots me and I know where they are and I feel like I have to fight, like I can't escape or reset it really easily, the first thing I do is pop a propital. I highly, highly recommend having a propital in your gamma container or kappa or um, your alpha, your, you know, your secure case. Propital gives you the pain killing effect and then it starts healing you over time i think if there's any one thing i would recommend it's having a propital on hand all the time if you don't like losing the 11 to 15k that it costs for propital put it in your secure case um and then i check my health really quick you know a quick tab or look up at your your health monitor make sure nothing's blacked out or red then my goal is to find the choke point and control it a lot of times i use grenades for that flashbangs Um, whatever I can to gain any kind of advantage, even if it's just time so I can think about where I am, what I need to do, look around, take everything in. If you die with three grenades on you and you didn't throw them, I look at that as a mistake. You know, if I, if I don't use the utility that I brought into the raid, I look at that as a mistake. If I took 180 ammo in and I got in a firefight and I was too conservative with my ammo and I had a 60 rounder and I only shot 15 shots and then I died, should have shot more bullets. So I look at every single encounter that I die in and be like, what could I have done better? But if you're looking for how to get out of them, I would say propital is key. It's critical. And grenades, grenades and flashbangs, use them as utility. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, but do not get stuck into thinking you need to have a kill shot with a grenade. 
just throwing a grenade, that sound will make the enemy fear you. And it resets the whole mindset. So buy yourself some time so that you can fly comfortably. And that'd be my final point on the whole the whole situation. Yep. I think that's a great way to end it. I completely agree with what you said. I know that I have spent time this way specifically using more grenades. That's been something that I've definitely worked on using the utility of grenades. And that would be my parting point as well. And for some reason, when you're new, some people use them all the time. Most people don't. And it is just, it's something that you're missing out on until you really, really get good at them. And you don't even have to be good at it. And Tarkov, you can throw a bad nade and still, it's just, it's, it's all right, just run. But even that clinking noise, like you said, is going to change the dynamics of the fight in your favor because you're going to scare somebody into getting out of what they were planning on doing. And maybe you'll get the upper hand then because they are pushed out of their comfort zone. So that's about all we have on that topic. And I think I'm looking around, seeing flashing green bars all around me, which means that we are moments away from disappearing. But before we do, want to echo the thank you to the community. Thank you so much for the support of the show. Thank you for all of the things that you've commented on all of the platforms. Please continue to do that. It helps the algorithm recommend the show to other people and just makes our community better as other people join the Xville Discord and hang out with us and we all have a great time. One thing I would ask this week if you could check out youtube.com slash XP Media now and go ahead and listen to the show or watch the show on YouTube if you're an audio only on any of the platforms. It would really help us up if you could open up a tab and watch the show on YouTube. That's really the place that we're focusing on uh, right now. We're really close to some more uh, pretty exciting metrics there. So watch the show, leave it a like, leave it a comment. We've had some pretty good conversations, actually. If you're an audio-only listener, we've had some good conversations in the YouTube comment section. It's been really, really exciting and fun to talk with uh, the folks there. So that's it for this week. We want to wish everyone a great week of raiding. Good luck. And all of your raids, we hope that your next firefight goes well and that this conversation uh, gives you something to think about while you're doing it. So have a great week, everybody. See you, everybody. Bye.